the Babble Room, the podcast where we babble on about things that fascinate us and hopefully fascinate you too. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Babble Room. My name is Amelie and I'm joined by Megan. Hi everyone. And today I'm going to be talking about Arthur Miller, Death of a Salesman. Ooh, I think yes. I this. Yeah, so what do you know about the play? Do you know anything about that play? Uh, the name is familiar. I don't know why. I feel like this is something I had to read in high school. Don't really remember. I think Arthur Miller used to be married to Marilyn Monroe. That would be the one Ooh. fact I know. He sure was. One of her, oh, there you go. One of her many husbands. Other yeah. than that, I feel like it's one of those like traditional American, not traditional, one of those iconic American plays that you kind of know about, but you don't. So. It is. It is. Um, it's yeah. It's it's a classic. It's a classic American play. If I might there say. you go. So to reiterate, I know absolutely nothing about this. That's okay. This is why we are here on this podcast to learn stuff from each other, as usual, and to maybe teach you guys stuff as well. Maybe. I know I'm going to be learning today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with a brief introduction of Miller's life. Um, well, I stay brief. I'll try, like, I'll try to make it quick, but there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of going on in his life. Arthur Asher Miller was born on October 17, 1915 in Arlem in New York City. In 1915? He must have had an interesting childhood. Probably. Published an account of his early years under the title, A Boy Grew in Brooklyn. So he's the second of three children of, excuse my pronunciation, Augusta Barnett and Isidore Miller. I think it's pronounced that way. If not, somebody will tell us. Oh, okay. I was waiting for you to maybe correct me on that one. But it's wait. <laughs> so it's Augustus and Isidora. August. Augustus. Augusta. Yeah. Augusta and Isidore. I think. Isidore. Okay. Not mm-hmm. Isidore. Isidore. Is, is, Isidore. You adore. I'm adore. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Okay. So Miller was Jewish, Polish Jewish descent. His father was born in, excuse my pronunciation again, Radomisli Wielki in Galicia. You're saying that as though I could help you with the pronunciation. I have no idea. I know. I'm so sorry. Anyway, it's a part of like Austria and Hungary, which is now Poland. Okay. Still don't know how to pronounce it, but now I know where it is. Okay. And his mother was a nat- native of uh, New York, whose parents also arrived from that town. So she is from New York. So she's first. Was... She's a first generation, and he's like fresh off the boat. Yeah. Okay. So his dad owned a woman clothing manufacturing business, hmm. uh, and he was employing about like four hundred people. Oh wow! Yeah. So he became very wealthy and respected in the community. However. In the Wall Street crash of 1929. Oh, family- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I knew that was coming. Oh, that's yeah. not good. Their family lost almost everything. So they moved to Gravesend in Brooklyn. Okay. When he was a teenager, Miller delivered bread every morning before school to help their, his family financially mm-hmm. because they were really poor. And after graduating in 1932... So he was born in 1915, but he graduated in 1932. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He was 18. I I can't do math. Okay. 
<laughs> I was just like, I feel like that's old. No, no, no it's fine. No, that's fine. He was 17. I can't see. I can't even do math when I'm trying to do math. You know what? It's okay. It's it's not a know, math. Actually, podcast. we're recording this a Friday night, so we're both tired, guys. But like, we're gonna go through <laughs> this. I swear. I'm so sorry. Things are just going downhill from here. Yeah, I know. Okay, so well, as I said. After graduating in 1932, he worked several jobs as a job to pay for his college tuition at the University of Michigan. So after graduation from university in 1936, he 36 or 32? No. Oh, 30, okay, school. high school in 32. Okay, yes, girl, keep it together. <laughs> high school 32 and... University 36. That makes sense. That makes sense. So after graduating from university in 1936, Mm -hmm. he began to work as a psychiatric aide and also as a copywriter before accepting faculty posts at New York University and University of New Hampshire. Those are very, very different jobs to have. Well, I think he was exploring, you know, as we all do at that age. Fair. Fair. So on May 1st, 1935, that's a year before graduating. Just so thank you. Just, thank you yep, for helping okay. me with my math. I appreciate you it. You are very welcome. Miller joined the League of American Writers. So he wasn't like into like it was involved into the league from 1935 to 1943. Just just as an FYI. Yeah. As a as a history major and as a history person. I can guarantee you that I will not remember these dates. That's fine. <laughs> I try. I try. I have a very shitty memory. I mean, I have it with me in front of me. So that's why I like, I can say it and stuff. But like, who, honestly, who remember dates? I mean, I remember the big ones. Like I remember the crash in 29, but yeah, that one, but I couldn't remember when he graduated high school. So, <laughs> okay. Well, dates are not my thing. At the University of Michigan, he majored in journalism. So is this before or after he graduated? Did he go to the University of New York? Or did he go to Michigan? To make it clear, he graduated from University of Michigan, but he accepted jobs at the New York University, pardon me, and University of New Hampshire as well. Okay, so he grew up in Brooklyn, graduated high school in Brooklyn, but then went to the University of Michigan. Okay. Now it makes sense. Okay. So at the University of Michigan, Mm -hmm. he first majored in journalism and worked for the student newspaper, which was called, I don't know if it's still called the same thing, but it was called the Michigan Daily. I don't know. As well as um, a satirical magazine as well that was called Gargoyle Humor Magazine. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It was during that time that he first wrote the very, very first play called No Villain. Can't say I know that one. He then switched his major to English and he actually won an award for that play that he wrote. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, which is called the Avery Upwood Award. And um, well, you know, so I guess that he was really happy with, you know, with that prize and it led him to consider a career as a playwright. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. After all that award thing, he enrolled into a playwriting seminar taught by the influential Professor Kenneth Rowe. 
So he instructed him in his early forays into playwriting. And who is this Kenneth Rowe person? Just like a random professor or like somebody that I should know about? <laughs> I have no fucking clue. I didn't search into it. Okay. It's a professor. Good to know. Mental note. I don't know. It's a like it's a playwright. It's a playwright. I don't know. I don't know. This is your domain. So Rowe really emphasized like how a play should be built in order to achieve its intended effect. Mm-hmm. Or what Miller like once called that's that's really like it was really Miller own to say like the dynamics the dynamics sorry of play construction. Okay. Which See, I don't know what a play construction is, so you can tell me you can tell me utter bullshit and I will believe you. So I'll okay. be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's fine. Sure. <laughs> Plays are weird. Sometimes they're really fucked up. So sure, I believe you. <laughs> so yeah. The professor provided like really um, realistic feedback about like how a play should be written and everything. And it was really beneficial for Miller to learn from that mentor. Also, like he really developed like a really strong friendship with the professor. So in 1940, Miller married. Marilyn Monroe? Absolutely not. He married Mary Grace Slatery. Oh, that's a a fun name. Yeah, the couple had two children. Interesting thing, Miller was exempted from military service during World War II because he had a, f- a high school football injury. Huh. To his left kneecap. So, yeah. Huh. Good thing, because he could write stuff, I guess, right? Gee, it's a good thing he got hurt in the high school football, which, by the way, he graduated from in 1932. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you remember. <laughs> because he couldn't get drafted into the into the war okay exactly good to know all right so as some of you may know mm-hmm. miller was married to marilyn monroe that is the only thing i know about him <laughs> right tied to not in westchester county in new york in 1956 and actually um miller left his first wife mary slatery for <gasps> marilyn monroe that's not that's that's not that's, very nice yeah that's a bit sad yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so basically what happened between them is they had a brief affair mm-hmm. and they remained in contact ever since. So it led them to fall in love and to Miller divorcing his first wife. Oh. Uh, so yeah, 1944, Miller's first play was produced and it was called The Man Who Had All the Luck. And it guess what? He didn't have any luck? actually he had luck because he won the theater guild's national award for it yo that's pretty good for your first produced play yeah not gonna lie that is actually really that's pretty impressive and in wartime too Mm -hmm. people just wanted a distraction however the play closed after yeah the play closed after four performances because it had disastrous reviews okay so it won an award after okay sorry i'm trying to wrap my mind around this. Yeah, sure. so it was his first produced play yeah and it won an award but it only mm-hmm. lasted four performances i'm assuming four days yeah apparently but how do you how do you go from winning an award to having your play canceled in four days well you know i think like the um, reviewers are not the mm-hmm. same people who decides like who is worthy of a like of an award or not so i'm guessing that 
journalists were like really frustrated about that play or whatever? I feel like it would be like the modern equivalent of going on Rotten Tomatoes and finding a movie that has a really shitty score, Mm -hmm. but then it being like a cold classic. I mean, that happened. I obviously don't have an example. I am not going to drop names, but that happened. (laughs) I feel like that's the modern equivalent of that. So again, uh, 1947, another play called All My Sons was an absolute success this time on Broadway. Earning him his first Tony Award for Best Author. I didn't know he had a Tony. Yeah, he won a Tony for All My Sons. And then well, I also didn't know all my sons at all. So I'm learning <laughs> it's okay. things. It's also a classic, which I am so sorry I didn't read yet, but I will get into it. Honestly, if you saw how long my TBR was, you went like, no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, winning that award for that play and everything on Broadway, producing on Broadway. And so winning the Tony Award for All My Sons honestly his reputation as a playwright was completely established by now so 1948 Mm -hmm. miller built a small studio in roxbury connecticut and in less than a day he wrote act one of death of a salesman in In less less than a day day. yes he was inspired Within six weeks, he completed the rest of the play, which was which is actually really quick when you think about it. How long is the play? Um, it is. It's it's actually quick to read, but like it's not. I don't know. No, but like how like performed? Do you know how long it would be? Oh, probably like at least an hour and a half to two okay. hours. Because I was I like, say. is it like a three-hour I'm, play? Is it like you know, an opera that lasts four hours? Like- no, 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 no. I'm I'm actually more uh, leaning towards like two hours. Okay, if if any of you guys know exactly how how long is that play, let us know. Comments or suggestion or please like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, no hate, no hate, just love, but like. If you have. But like somebody, somebody's gonna know. Somebody's gonna die. Like us. a connoisseur or something. Okay. Uh, like I said, so he completed the play really, really quick, mm-hmm. and it, and it's one of the classic of world theater. That play was translated in many languages. Don't ask me how much, because <laughs> I don't. I read it, but I don't remember. But it's it's known worldwide. So, mm-hmm. and the the play. The play. <laughs> the play. Are we get? I'm excited to know what this play is about because I remember yeah. that yes. I know about it, but I don't know what it's about. So, Death of a Salesman premiered on Broadway on February 10, 1949, at the Morosco Theater. I have and a question. Direct- yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. Um, in my very limited uh, theater knowledge, and please mm-hmm. don't come at me, but um, Broadway to me is musicals. Is this a musical or is it a play? No, it's a play. Okay. Okay. And it's not it's not it's not all musicals. No, I mean you're hundred percent right. I just don't know enough about <laughs> there, Broadway. There are a lot of theaters in New York. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like the in the Broadway, Broadway area, but like not not and also 1940. Okay, like I would look like a total idiot right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure like how the musical scene really was in 1949 i should get it you know what i will search guys guys 
I will don't search come at us. I will search. Yeah, don't come at us, please. I will no, search. Because I mean, there was music halls. There was, uh, well, Radio City Music Hall, and there yeah. was like Studio Fifty Four and all that. I just, to me, Broadway is like, I don't know, like The Lion King, Mamma Mia, Hamilton. Like to me, they're all musical. So mm, I, that's I just wanted to make sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. But um, yeah, like we said, don't don't come at us. We are not professionals, but I will. <laughs> Listen, I will I'm absolutely, not. I will like a hundred percent look into it and give you more knowledge on it uh, on my next episode. Okay, so as we know, the play was commercially successful, mm-hmm. and it was. I think the word you're looking for is critically acclaimed. Yeah, this is the word I was looking for. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> and guess what? What? He also won a Tony Award for Best Author. So he's got two Tonys now. Yeah, and he wait, has wait, an award. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait for it. There is mm-hmm. more. Okay. He also had the New York Drama Circle Critics Award for it. So he went from having a play shut down in four days because the critics were bad to getting an award from the critics. That's pretty good growth. Yeah, it is. And guess what? He what? won another, another oh my God. award for it. Okay. You want to guess? Do you want to guess what award he won? Um. You know, uh, like, you know that one. I know EGOT. Is it a Grammy, an Oscar, no, no. <laughs> another Tony, no. or an Emmy? No. Uh, he won the Pulitzer Prize for drama. Oh God, I do know that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I, I was like, you know it. You know it. Whoops. I was focused entertainment. So yeah, so I was the first play to win all three major awards. So that is very impressive. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And the play was performed uh, 742 times. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Just a quick thing that I want to mention. I have a lot of information, so I'm trying to go like really quick um, about it, but that's really cool. It's that Miller exchanged several letters with Eugene O'Neill, who is considered one of the greatest playwrights in America. Do you know him? I have Have never heard of of Eugene O'Neill. Does oh, he write under a pen name? No, no. Under Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> Would I know any of his plays? Uh, maybe. Four plays. I know that play, but not in that way. <laughs> no, but like four plays by Eugene O'Neill. And uh, that sounds so bad. <laughs> to get back to it, he wrote uh long days that's one of the really popular one it's long days journeys and tonight don't know it okay the iceman cometh nope desire on dirty elms nope beyond the horizon nope okay well anyway they exchanged letters and miller really wanted uh O'Neill to be to be there for one of the representation of mm-hmm. that of a salesman and uh, Eugene politely declined because Aww. he was, yeah, no, but like he declined because he explained that his Parkinson's disease, yeah, made it really difficult to travel. So yeah, you just you made a sad story sadder. I know, but that's just like a, a small part of it. I'm sorry. It's oh, I, actually, I'm really sorry. It's gonna get like even sadder, but. The play itself, it's not funny, okay? It's a tragedy, but... 
I'm not going to give like every details about his life because there is so, so much to say, guys. But you can look up her show notes on the website and I'm going to put links on as well. So if you want to research more into it or go on the website and look it up. And if you do want to read any of his plays, we'll put links uh, to where you can purchase them if they're available on the Gutenberg project. We will also link that on our show notes on our website at thebubbleroom.wix.com. Exactly. So Miller died on the evening of February 10th, uh, 2005. So 2005, that's pretty recent. So like he was alive when we were kids. That's crazy to think about. Because when you think of somebody who's born in 1915, it's like, it's so, such a long time ago. But he is in living memory. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And yeah, he was, he was 89 and um, died of bladder cancer and heart failure. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the play now. Well, I'm excited to get to the part where you remind me what I've forgotten about the play. Yeah, pretty much everything, right? <laughs> I've, yeah, I've forgotten pretty much everything. Death of a Salesman is a two-act tragedy set in the 1940s in New York through a montage of memories, dreams, and arguments of the protagonist, Willie Loman, who is the Salesman. Okay, wait, wait, wait. What's his name? Willie Loman. William Loman. Okay, I thought you said, I thought you said wheelie, like as in a wheel. And I was like, that's an interesting name. No, like Willie as in William Loman. As in a nickname for William. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And he's, and he's a traveling salesman who is really disappointed with his life. Mm-hmm. And like through the whole play he appears to be like sliding into senility so the play contains a lot of themes uh which is like the the main one well i mean according to me i think that like the more obvious one is the american dreams you know the like the the if you work hard be, like, you really can successful do anything. yeah exactly and like oh but like when i'm gonna have more money i'm gonna be more happy and when i'm gonna be more popular i'm gonna be mm-hmm. i'm gonna be more happy because like everyone's gonna see me as this really like successful salesman mm-hmm. and stuff so quintessential americana yeah um also the 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 play contains the theme of the anatomy of truth and betrayal it explores the psychological chaos of Willie Loman. So they have adapted the play to um, the cinema as well. They did a 1951 version of, of the play, actually. Uh, Any chance Marilyn Monroe was in it? No. <laughs> no, she wasn't. Surprisingly. They were maybe not together anymore. Well, no, this was before they got, didn't they get married in 1956? This is 1951. Then forget what I said. I don't remember said, dates. You said dates were important. Sad. I'm remembering my dates. Let's <laughs> sad. So to go very quick on, on the characters, mm-hmm. you have the protagonist, William Loman, who is called Willie Loman most of the time in the play, who is a traveling salesman. He is 63 years old. And he's very unstable and secure and full of self-doubt. And um, yeah, like I said before, he's very disappointed with his life. And it's something very interesting about him is like, the more you go through the play, the more he seems to degrade in age. So okay. 
yeah so like the way he talks the way he the way he expresses himself he sounds like he really sounds more and more like a child Mm -hmm. um going further into play so yeah is he benjamin buttoning i don't know i don't know it's just i think it's mental senility to be honest Mm -hmm. which is like quite young because he's like technically 63 but you know it can start at i don't know any age yeah probably Mm -hmm. um also his first name willie reflects the childlike aspect of it as well Mm -hmm. you know because it's like willie Mm -hmm. but also like something that 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 was mentioned when i when i was reading about it is like will he you know that is so smart yeah and his last name is loman which like when you um separate like the two Mm -hmm. syllables syllables yeah thank you uh, makes it low men ouch because he like he really thinks poorly of himself is really disappointed with his life and he's just like really de- like depressed like i said because he he wants to live the american dream and everything so so oh. yeah and then you have um his wife linda lumen linda yeah she's uh, she's very loving and loyal and she's um, supportive of him the, like as much as she can be but like is she is... like the stereotypical 1950s housewife um yeah kind of yeah mm, yeah mm-hmm. and then they have uh, three sons that's a lot of boys so they have um biff loman <laughs> i love that biff biff that's what that that yeah that's what that's what they call it and he's uh their eldest son Mm -hmm. he's a like you know he's just really like athletic teenager oh he's like a jock yeah okay exactly really stereotypical like teenager playing football and Mm -hmm. well pretty stereotypical american family so far right Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so he has problems like he has problems at school as in he he's not good with math mm-hmm. and he's failing basically his, his classes and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so he kind of like dropped out of summer school and everything so you know like it's the, the classic the job that is not academically inclined yeah but like willie is so proud of him just because like he looks great you know mm-hmm so I'm just going to say that real quick, but like later on, Willie keeps comparing his sons to Adonis's. He's just like, oh my God, they're, they're built like Adonis's and like, oh my God, they like, they look great. And like, so it's they look much like, more on the physical than on the mental. Yeah. But it's really like Greek really, you know, like that Greek related thing to like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like they look so like, they look, they're like godlike looking mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, he's really like proud of that for some reason because it's only like physical, it's only material, it's not. That's one way to give your kid daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Harold Loman, which is called Happy <laughs> in the play. That's so cute. Yeah, and he's a Biff and, and Happy. <laughs> Biff and Happy, yeah. And he's the younger son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, well, you know, classically, obviously living is it in the shadow of his brother Biff. So is he the second born or the third born? Uh, he's a third born. Yeah. Okay. What about the one in the middle? Uh, 
technically they talk like way more about like these two have more um interactions yeah in the play but like the third one is charlie so classic middle child he got forgotten wait wait oh no i fucked up they have two sons (laughs) oops i fucked up they only have two sons sorry i read that wrong okay so yeah like i said um happy's he's good in school but he's not you know he's not uh as much in shape and as much as sports as biff is and blah 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 so yeah and the way that i messed up is because i saw charlie but charlie is the neighbor's son ah so the adopted son he spends all of his time in his neighbor's house yeah hanging out with the neighborhood boys (laughs) wait i fucked up again (laughs) Charlie is the dad. Bernard is the son of Charlie. And so, like, other characters you have in the play, you have Bernard, and you have his son, Charlie, and then you have Uncle Ben, who's, like, quite important because Uncle Ben is Willie's older brother, and he is the perfect image of a successful American. Because like when he was younger, he went into the jungle and explored the drunk the, the jungle. So jungle. Do you have something on your mind? Yeah, the the gradient slip. <laughs> and he explored the jungle. And there's also like one of the quote when he says like, "Yeah, I entered the jungle when I was 17, and like I got out of it when I was 21." And like, yeah. So it seems Uncle like an ben interesting like, metaphor. Yeah, he's all about adventure and like the, you know, the dream life of like, okay, he's not living the routine Mm -hmm. at all. He's just traveling and stuff. So, yes. All right. So Miller really created his own version of a traditional tragedy by including aspect, like I said before, as into like comparing characters to Greek icons, Mm -hmm. like Willie, uh, when he, when he talk about his sons, like I said, that they are built like Adonis's. Basically, the play talk about like Willie Loman, who was like a common salesman who was image driven and mm-hmm. appearance was everything to him. Mm-hmm. He noted like how because he was a salesman, appearance was leading was a leading factor in sales. So Willie felt his sons were destined to have a great success because they were like really good looking physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we have a physical description of Willie? Like, does he describe himself as good looking as well? Or is there no physical description? Uh, n- not really. I think like he, he's pretty much average. So he's kind of designed to like represent the average American man. So anybody can see themselves as him. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's really interesting as well, because like when you read into it, um, the neighbors perceive like they, they really perceive him as like average as well. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you know, he's like this. He's just like, he's just a salesman. He's just mm-hmm. like, oh, he's just, he's this regular like person and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, well, that can be, you can start a whole dialogue about self-perspective versus outside yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the equalization to higher beings uh, tied into one of the traditional aspects of the mm-hmm. tragedy. In typical Greek tragedies, the stories were more focused on royal beings being like Oedipus complex. 
as in like Miller really wanted to show that the common man and those with status were more equal than people usually thought. Mm-hmm. They had the same mental processes and emotions to similar situations. Like we know, I mean, you studied history and I, I did as well because of you actually in university, but you know. She said that you're taking one history class. No, I, you know what? I took like more, I could have had a minor in history, but I didn't. The amount of I, drama classes I took with you is the same amount of drama of history classes you took with me. So two. I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's not. We took an archaeology class together. Oh, but yeah, but I took like other history classes. Yeah, but they weren't with me. So don't count. That was your own choice. All right, you are right. (laughs) You are correct. Fine. (laughs) As I said, as we know, because, well, I mean, we studied a bit of history. Uh, Mankind cherishes tragedies, right? Mm -hmm. So Miller felt like he should create a tragedy that resonates with the audiences to allow them to feel pity for an average character that they can identify to so i mean he clearly succeeded he won what three awards for this including yeah. a pulitzer mm-hmm. this definitely still resonates and we still read it in high school and even then like being uh both of us going to a french high school in canada we both read it in our english classes so it transcends boundaries and languages yeah so now that we talked about it maybe you'll remember it i mean maybe probably this was way more interesting than whatever i was taught in high school um but no it's kind of it's kind of fascinating to see how the plight of man has not changed throughout various decades or various historical events it's just it's always going to be the same wheel. You're always going to try and achieve more and you're always going to try. Exactly. Still relevant to today, right? Especially yeah. in this uh, pandemic context. Yes, people are eager to work and to be like on the, like, how can I say that? On the, on the like go, go, go mode, like super fast, super quick. But like, honestly, I thought like, I thought the pandemic would, would have taught something. <laughs> no. 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 Gay capitalism. Exactly. I just have Bill Burnham's song in my head. Oh no. <laughs> I love that song. So if you guys like this podcast, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook as well at The Babble Room. Uh, also on Patreon, The Babble Room as well. And on our website at Megan. <laughs> You can check out our website at babbleroom.wix.com. That's where you'll find our show notes. You'll find some quotes from the play that we've talked about today. You'll find more information about Arthur Miller, his life, his publications, as well as some interesting pictures that we'll put up there. Also, I will put up the link to his foundation because he has a foundation related to theater. So I'll put up the link to that as well. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.